There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now I've done some scary stuff in my life. I've been to war zones. I've been shot at. I've come under mortar attack. I've even interviewed Donald Trump. But nothing prepared me for the most terrifying assignment of all. Could I learn stand-up comedy and make a room full of people laugh? I'm journalist Simon Houston, and this is my journey. And over these eight episodes, I'll be picking the brains of the best in the business as I aim to crack the laughter game. And could I possibly achieve the ultimate goal? Taken to the stage at the world's biggest comedy festival? This is Laughter Unlocked. This podcast from the Scottish Sun is brought to you in association with Harry Corry Interiors for all your home furnishing needs. Visit harrycorry.com or pop into one of our many stores nationwide. I'm joined on this episode by Des McLean. Des is a Scottish stand-up comedian, impersonator and radio presenter from Glasgow and quite frankly, he's proper comedy royalty. He's performed all over the world and Billy Connolly, no less, once described him as his favourite comedian. An accomplished stage performer, you can still catch him playing much-loved Lisbon lion Bertie Auld in the moving but hilarious play Bend It Like Bertie. But perhaps most important of all, he also teaches stand-up comedy. So who better to get into the Laughter Unlocked studio to help set me on the road to stand-up stardom? I am joined by Des McLean and also as a wee Brucey bonus we've just been joined by the one and only Alan Partridge That, 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 was, a, that, that was a lovely intro that, uh, uh, Here's to pal and shine on your hand Ooh, Simon Houston Ooh, that, 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 I like you but not like that Welcome to Glasgow you, Alan You always, every time, every time we meet it doesn't matter if it's at a funeral if it, Dear Alan Partridge dear, I know you're a massive Partridge fan and it makes me feel good when, I, when, I, when even when I'm driving the car I'll go Ooh, that you're not indicating and, and the, the women across will be going who is this nutter it's me oh yeah too much carry on what, Alan, you, you also do a very good Des McLean yes he's here as, that, that, that's that anyway lovely intro <laughs> lovely I love that intro I could actually sit and listen to that intro the whole night can we repeat that a few times yes uh, you don't realise until you hear somebody else say coming out of that just how good you are yes <laughs> That was the Des McLean summed up in three paragraphs. Was, yeah. it a, was that a fairly good description? It was think? very nice. I love the bit about comedy royalty and yeah. stuff. And the, the, the wee Billy Coyle mentioned, very nice. And also you gave a lovely wee plug for, what did you say? It was it was very funny and very moving. Yes, oh, I think that's a fair description. Very fair. Betty Old. I mean, uh, just quickly on that, I'll never forget the night that we just played there before Christmas down in the Beacon Arts Centre, lovely 515-seater down on the water down in Greenock his family came along to see it and it was the night before the great man passed away very very emotional they were playing the Bertie Old song at the, at the very end and I, I knew that, he, that you know that he was uh, his family were there and all that and he was in the hospital so yeah that, that was uh, that was a tough yeah. one it was yeah. emotional but a great to know and play the great man you yeah. know and he, and he gave me his full you know backing some of the shows in Webster's in Glasgow is that that's the case we've played four you came yeah. along on this first night first yeah. night and uh, those four were brilliant and then we're doing another three, so that'll be seven Websters. The writer Jim Orr loves that wee theatre. 
right in the middle of uh, Great Western Road. So, yeah, we've got another three coming up. They're nearly sold out. Great. The one on the 25th of May is well, almost... This is a very, very famous date <laughs> yeah. for people who <laughs> like Bertie Old. We need to stop turning this into a Celtic podcast. No, we won't. Do you know what I was actually going to say to you? Bertie Old, like a, like one or two well-known Scottish footballers I can think of, kind of crossed the divide as well. There's a lot of affection for Bertie. Very much so. And it was only when I was doing this, the amount of uh, Rangers fans uh, came along and they says, all right, we got a wee bit of slagging there and so did Celtic, but we loved the, the story. They loved it. And uh, a lot of the a few guys bought their dad's tickets for Christmas and stuff like that, came along and they were they, they really did. It's a, obviously, there's, there's a, it's a real journey. It's nostalgic. It's got it all. But if you're into any kind of, you know, a, a family story and obviously if you like your football as well. But no, no, it did very much cross the divide. Yes. Yeah. If you got a chance to try and get some tickets, not many left, but it really is worth it. I've seen it myself. Do you know what, Simon? It's, it's all about entertainment. That's what it's all about, as the great Bertie would say, entertainment. Big Jock would say, if you could entertain... If you could entertain that, we Jinky was an entertainer. Anyway, I even love, <laughs> I just love, love you know, the, the sound of it. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, come along. It's a big May and June tour. Getting a plug at the start of the show. It's a win-win tonight. Listen, you get, you get plugged all the way through it if that doesn't sound rude. That, 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 that's rude. Right, sorry, where'd you go? <laughs> but I did also mention in your re-intro that you teach comedy too and people, you know, some people might not realise that because they think of Desmond Clean, they think of radio, they think of stand-up, they think of Vegas. But you're a, you teach comedy. Yes. Is that, that keeping you, is that, was that keeping you busy during the tough times of lockdown and so on? It all started with a lockdown, yeah. It started in lockdown and it was a pal of uh, ours, Viv G, who I, I went to a, a comedy class course many years ago, 20 odd years ago. And then I had a wee chat with her and she was saying, why don't you just do, I'd been asked to do one-to-ones with new acts and old acts and middle acts and what have you. And I've got a wee kind of a, you've you've been on, you've been, oh, you've yes. been on Harry's I, Barn. I yes. used I was doing a thing called uh, Comedy Club in your front room with Zoom and it was every Saturday night and uh, it ended up, I hated the first few weeks because people were like, oh, I've paid a fiver, how do you get the link? Where's the link? They'd be phoning <laughs> you up when you'd be 10 minutes into the show and I'd be like, this is Des McLean and this wee guy for Campus Lang, wee Davey. How do you get a link? I've paid a fiver, me and the bird can't get a link and I'm like, who are you? I'm your pal on Facebook. <laughs> so I hated all that but I need to tell you quickly about the very first Zoom gig, right? That... <laughs> And we'd heard all these horror stories about, uh, you know, oh, you don't hear any reaction and you don't hear, there's no laughter, you don't see anybody. And that for a comedian is just, that's death, right? Yeah. So you're thinking, I'm not going out there to die. So the first night, I did one for uh, for the NHS and it was actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I just saw there would be a person laughing away, you could hear them and I thought, this isn't bad. So my first gig that I'd done, my comedy club, when I was on, I went out there. Every comedian hears the silence more than the laughter. And it's true. It's a wee saying that we, we always spot the ones who don't laugh. We, a thousand people could be laughing and one person could be sitting with their face tripping them in the middle. And that's yes. who you spot. Yes. That's who you zoom in on. You go, see that guy? What, what was his problem? Maybe he's right. There. So there was this, <laughs> I was doing my Zoom gig, right? And Zoom, obviously, if you don't know, you must know Zoom out there after lockdown. Uh, there was a woman just sitting, shaking her head at me, like shaking her head. And I thought, is she shaking her head at me? I'll be women in Bishop Briggs, shaking her head. And I went, spotlight, or that means that she comes up in the full screen. I went, maybe she's just got a wee nervous facial tick. Maybe that's right. Maybe she's enjoying it. She's got a wee nervous tick. And then she just, as clear as anything, clearer than this mic, she went, do you think I gave up my Saturday night for this shite? <laughs> and then turned me off, switched me off. That was an instant review. Brilliant. That's what you call I a review. It, 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 was a, it was a really cracking night. I mean, so I didn't do an awful lot at all during lockdown when it you know comes to comedy, as you, as you probably know, but... You asked me to do that uh, Zoom at Harry's Bar. And the one thing that made me really relax about doing it, and maybe giving away some tricks of the trade here from the kind of performance point of view, mm-hmm. though, when you're talking to a camera, like for me, it was Mac and iMac 
on mm. the kitchen table and I was standing there. I still remember you had a mic that turned into a bottle of beer. Aye, that's right. You I said tonight, have you got a photographic memory, McLean? Yes, I have. Oh my God. Your memory really is scarily, it's scarily good. It's frightening, yeah. In a previous episode, I was talking about how um, some some uh, open spots will write prompts in their hand, yeah. notes to, you know, just to remind them of what the next line's going to be and so on. But by covering the screen of my iMac with all my prompts <laughs> and my notes and my lines, <laughs> nobody knew I was reading it. Maybe too much of a crutch, possibly. But that it, was a, it relaxed me a wee bit. A few headline acts uh, confessed to me, they says, oh, the, the beauty of the, the Zoom gig was they had all the, the wee post-it notes and a big yeah. white board either side. Yeah. So that helped them. But what I didn't understand was they should have known their set anyway. You know, we're only like a couple of months into, into lockdown. I so. suppose, but during the pandemic, though, even the best acts in the world, nobody was playing. No. So, you, you know, that, that term match fit or rusty or whatever, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, doing, a, if you're doing a gig and you're doing the same routine, 80 nights in, in a row or whatever it might be, then it's, you know, you're never forgetting it, are you? But if you've not done it for, for, for eight months. Oh, no, totally. It's like you, they've went from a regular, as you say, match fit, matches uh, week in, week out, midweek, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you're going to nothing. But not just nothing, your next gig is via Zoom, which is totally unknown. So, yeah, there was a lot. The first uh, few acts that I uh, asked... Well-known big acts up and down the UK. They went, no, Des, I'm going to be honest, I just don't fancy it. Uh, you know, I, I prefer, uh, I remember this uh, London act, very well-known, being on it. He says, I'm dying to do it. He says, but I just don't want to die Mars. They don't, just, the bigger you are, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, but then when they, they, they soon heard how good my Zoom gig was, and it was, the term I always used was, my audience were house-trained. They were mm-hmm. house-trained. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, at the start, you were getting heckled by Trevor McDonald. They were leaving their tellies on, right? And, everything. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, it's only me. And they were going, oh, we don't put our television on as well, right? I get it now. They do oh, <laughs> Doug's bar and tellies on. But then they did GBX on, they sell it games on, they everything. But then they realised they could be heard and they could be seen. And then suddenly this house-trained regulars. And it just became, you would see this guy up there, this couple from Linlithgow, this couple in a hot tub from there. And they were all characters. So that was the thing. So um, in answer to your question, the little safety net of post-it notes and all that, I totally get why they would do that. Because it's a Zoom gig and it's going to be tough enough as it is. And then uh, it's it's a million miles away from, obviously, real people sitting in front of you. But apart from the Zoom gigs and the one-on-ones where I was teaching people, that me and my wee pal, wee Susie McCabe, were doing beer garden gigs anywhere that there was a beer garden we were doing. We must have done over a hundred. So, because we were only allowed to do them. Did you find with the beer garden, once the beer garden tour started, that, that people were, you know, people were obviously at that point desperate to be entertained, desperate to get out of the house. And and do you find it was an easier, easier audience at that point because people were just so excited to That's see well know, done. Climax. Great question and a great point. Um you're absolutely bang on there, bang on. Because the first beer garden was down at a wee place, Caldies and Bayliston. I think everybody's dropped in here off them just off the the Edinburgh Road, right? And I'm not joking. I went out and we were like, Oh my god, real people, real people, real people. Not... And you were thinking, This is you were only used to Zoom. And I remember I was nearly a wee bit, I, I was nearly in tears, emotional. The first thing I said, they were just howling as if it was the funniest gag I've ever cracked. The whole place was howling. I thought, they are as glad as I am to be watching, to be here tonight. They, they, they were so glad to be seen, to be out drinking together, not in the house. Mm-hmm. Remember, the only entertainment they had was the Thursday night oh clap in the NHS. You know, that, that was the new Top of the Pops. It's Thursday night, it's eight o'clock and it's nurses, dead. <laughs> and that was that. Remember that? You said, Agnes, Agnes. Agnes, your neighbour, you've not spoke to me in 10 years, yeah, right, so... Well, 
I'm so glad you brought that up because it seems a lifetime ago. It does. When I mentioned that, people think, ah, oh, that's right, because lockdown was in so many parts. And the first part was that, that that was your only bit. I remember at four o'clock going, how long we got to go? My wife would go four hours. Oh, God. It was like waiting four hours for an old firm game or for a, a World Cup final. I can't, and then five to eight. Oh, here we go. The pot's, oh. And at 8.05, you get dragged in. Please, <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait a whole week for this. Oh, it was with seeing the neighbours. But all those promises across, across the road, across the pavement, oh, when things get back to normal, we are going to have such a great time. <laughs> Never really happened. Here's another one that you always said. Every single person out there listening, uh, somebody in your family said this, somebody in your workplace said this. Well, we all said the same thing. I remember it. You know, I remember coming in for the wee, the wee, the wee clap and my wife went, do you know something? See this. See because of this. See this whole lockdown thing. Do you know what I'm going to do? I am never, I'm never going to complain or moan about anything ever again. <laughs> we all said it. That's and then the minute that Sturgeon or Boris or whoever went, just to let you know, we're going to extend the lockdown by three weeks. Ah, oh, you're joking. See this country. I thought you weren't going to moan again. <laughs> so uh, on the, the eight o'clock applause, mm-hmm. do you watch the golf in the telly ever? Do you watch mm-hmm. Not f- a lot. Well, not. I used to, but not as much well, now. Imagine, imagine like the, the, the final round, the 18th hole of the Open Championship and the golfer is walking up the fairway and the fans are lined either side of the fairway applauding and screaming. I said to my wife, I said, one of these Thursday nights, what I'm going to do is you're going to follow me and carry my clubs and we'll walk up the street and everyone will be applauding. <laughs> aye, aye. And I'll be living out my fantasy. Everybody had their own wee fantasy running <laughs> in with a, like a vest on. I've just, I've just done my 26 mile the rock line. Going out there and telling a joke. I'd done that in the final. I, I did I did 25 minutes of stand-up. Yeah. Believe it or not, in my street at 25 to 8 and as I finished, they were all clapping away. I just assumed uh, you lived in a mansion with no neighbours. <laughs> well, that, that, after doing all these one-to-one I have moved to that <laughs> neck of the woods. Uh, so the, the golf. There's Sandy Lyle with the 16th going for a birdie. Oh, hello, Sandy. Give us a smile. Peter <laughs> Alice. Nobody ever appreciates Peter Alice. Well, there'll be a few golf fans yeah. listening to this, I'm sure. We digress. We did. We always digress. That's what I love about podcasts. You just go off and off. And uh, You were talking about the one-to-ones, right? Yes. Well, what I was going to say was, so you obviously know why I'm doing this. And I'm trying to learn it. I'm trying to learn oh, stand-up. Aye, aye. Right? You've been on I, it two of my gigs. Yes. One in the real world and one on Zoom. That's yeah. right. And, and you were very good, actually. Oh, oh that is. No, you're good oh. the first time, you'll show you second time. <laughs> Being honest when he says that. No, it's not about you. <laughs> the first time you were annoyingly good, because I had a big list, of the normal tick list, and it was another guy, Alan Anderson, who, who runs Rotunda, and he, went, he messaged me, went, this guy's good. And it's unusual... And I thought, and you were, and I thought he's, you've obviously done a few presentations, that side it was okay for you, but you know, there's plenty of people who can talk and talk a good game, but was the material strong enough? The material was very good as well, yeah. Um, well, thanks, very, very kind of you to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have one thing that worries me going forward about this, you know, uh, is my memory. And we were discussing before we went live about how I, I, my, my short term memory is horrific. It's, it's al- you know, it's almost as bad as my short term memory. Da do, da dum. But that hence the. Do you remember uh, my review the, after you came off stage? Uh, I messaged you the next day. It'll be you, on my phone. You said it'll be on your phone. There you go. <laughs> You're right about that memory. No, you sent me a video, and the video was actually very good. But what I said to oh, you was that one, yes. clunky gear changes. Remember, yes, you that. just went from I so Florida. <laughs> it was nothing to do with what you told me before at all. I, but that's all right. That's I think I went, yeah, I, went, I went from um, I went from zips sliding in Wales to masturbation, yes. which was a clunky. That was like first gear to it the was, fifth. It was kangaroo and clunkiness all the way through your set. Yes. But that's all right. Yeah. So I mean, what I want one of the things we discussed. 
the previous episode is try to avoid where you can the kind of bullet points on the hand and oh, I know that you're very very clear and do, you, do not, you, you don't like that I'll tell you why there was a guy who it would be nameless and he had 10 minutes and I'd given him a few gigs and I thought right you're going to be great you've stormed it at my gigs and then after two years he was still reading off his hand and I thought well, what, what, why are you still have you not learned a 10 minute set yet yeah. we're not talking here about you know, uh, uh, you know a performance of you know th- this wasn't Shakespeare this was a 10 minute set and he was storming it and, I, and he's, I says the more you write that on your hand the more you're just going to rely on it and well, you're going to read it see the time when he took it off he didn't even bat an eyelid well, that's he it. didn't miss a beat it's this wee oh the, the, it's, it's the wee uh, safety net the wee, the wee Wayne's dummy I, I need my I if don't you've know got why it, you do if you've got it you're going to use it you're going to use it and I says to him I always ask the audience the paying punters what do they think always always and they're the ones who aren't going to lie they've paid their money and they said that guy was really good but it really annoyed us that he kept looking at his watch they don't know that he's looking at his set what he's written yeah. And I, why would they even think that? Nobody yeah. would. Who don't they don't know the game? And uh, as I said to him, well, they were really annoyed because they thought you were looking at your watch all the time. So even that is off-putting and annoying. Yeah. And he was like, all right. So instead, no, you're looking. You're looking at the, yeah. your set. You're reading your bullet points. Your set, which is so annoying. So yeah. So so obviously, the, obviously, the trick is to 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 use another technique to memorize things that isn't looking at your hand. And I've got my own system, and and mm-hmm. and, and I won't give it away. But not 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 because it's my secret. But it's, it's obviously not working. No, it's not. It's, it was it, it was working. It was Viv G. I had a chat with Viv, and she uh-huh. gave me a wee technique. Yeah. For a you know for a visual memory. Thing, but that's which, good. Which which uh, which had had saved me a couple of times. Other tips have been given. Raymond Mearns said, "Don't try improv." Just learn a set and practice and practice and practice and practice it. You're not highly unlikely that I'm going to try and do five minutes off the top of my head. It's going to happen. Great advice from the great uh, Raimondo there. Yes, what annoys me is, again, I'm going to go back to another uh, student or a new act. He sent me a video of a gig that he was doing in a new new act night and he was doing great first bit. Uh, banker, second bit, banker, third bit, banker. Then he suddenly decided to go down a comedy cul-de-sac, but he did not know how it was going to go. So he went down this cul-de-sac, as I call it, and uh, then the crowd, basically he threw the ball to the crowd and they never got it back. Yeah, that was my way in that, right? And they never got it back. So I said, why did you do that? So that killed his set. Yeah. He, he Throwing the ball to the crowd and there's no way they're going to give you it back. And I just thought, why did you do it? And he tried to be the big man. He doesn't know why. It was just like, it was gallant. He got three really good bits in. And, and then all of a sudden he, maybe like, he thought he was better than he was I, and he was just the wind beneath the wings. And he's got carried so away. He's tried to be the cocksure big man. And then, um, he, you know, as I say, the ball is not going to come back to you, son. And yeah. that was that. Yeah. After that, it just killed him. He died and went off after seven minutes. People, when when they think Des McLean, they, they, they think of some of your characters as well. And I, 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 I've just written down Plunge, just in case I forgot to mention Plunge McNugget. Because my, my family, my son, my wife... And they think of you, they think of Plunge, and they think, you know, some of the characters that you're known for in, in the radio over the years. See, how, how did they come about? I was just going to come to that there quickly. It's like the, when I was doing the, the after doing the solo shows and all that, um, I got asked to go along to Radio Clyde during the Glasgow Comedy Festival, and I went on and, and I did a few wee funnies, and George Bowie, we ended up getting on really well, and, and I ended up there for six years, yes. you no know, winning three Sony Co- Academy Awards. <laughs> to throw that bit in. <laughs> and uh, uh, so that was amazing. The Sean Connery thing was one of the entries for the first one. But Plunge McNugget was the most popular character. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing that in Panto and all that. They all, yeah. they all just, to me, it wasn't anything at all big and clever because it was just like, I was brought up in Rikese, then I, I made some money, got a job, moved to Black Hill. That always gets a laugh and it was true, right? I moved into Black Hill. And, uh, and uh, when, when Plunge McNugget, Plunge McNugget, the character was everywhere in like the East End of Glasgow. All right. She, I, she, she last night, right? She last night. I was, there was two foxes boxing at four in the morning, right? 
See, you're laughing about it, and it, and I just went. I says, "What did you do, plunge?" I just, I just went. I just went. I went to the window and I went, do I need to get my air rifle up for the love? Because what are you staying boxing at four in the morning? And the two foxes just looked at me and they went, sorry, big chap, and just went into another garden. I don't think they did say sorry, big chap. Anything I said as the plunger, people went mental for. And it was always like... for the time. I mean, oh, do you, do you think if um, you'd been kind of like, you know, the internet is what it is now then... Mm-hmm. Would you maybe go down a different route and plunge with them in all over TikTok and Twitch aye, and, you I, know? I, it's like, oh, that's a very interesting one, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, because it, aye, probably. <laughs> but now, after that, it, there's a lot of kind of Glasgow Glez, things and stuff like that and all over. The, I mean, the internet now is just, it's just like beyond. It's yeah. just like TV programmes. It, it's more hassle now to, to find a TV programme than, you know, anything. You, you look at something on your phone, on YouTube, or a podcast, and <laughs> uh, that's dead easy to find now. So, yeah, times have changed. Plunge McNugget would have been a TikTok yeah. sensation. It might, no might, might have filled up your entire week. Aye, aye. You know? But it was, it, the panto, all oh, the kids love Plunge McNugget. Cause every time we plunge, plunge, plunge. And I was always like, <laughs> oh, come on. And it was funny because people would book you and they go, we want you to do Plunge McNugget at this corporate gig. I went, no, I'm better than that. That's just lowest common denominator then they would tell me the money I was getting I would go talking about <laughs> so, we, we've we've referred to the, the, the Billy Connolly Sean Connery story a couple of times and you need to tell that because I mean I, I, I still I, I try and find it you know when listen to it it kept uh, getting taken off YouTube yeah. it must have been his people or I don't know right and uh, it was it was a Monday morning. We were getting nowhere. We made over three thousand calls. Can you imagine three thousand phone calls? We, we worked to myself and and George Bowie. He was really he he was like he always pushed the boundaries. He he would go all right. It was, it was always funny. He would go all right, funny man. What about this for an idea? And Paul Cooney, the you know the, yeah. um, Paul Cooney would come down and he would be like, well, why why is Plunge McNugget phone the phone in the Vatican. And we were like, "Hello, at the door." You know, Did Plunge so, phone the Vatican. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were phone, we were phoning the White House. No, that there was <laughs> the, we were getting depleted. Oh, we were like, "Oh, my, you wouldn't believe it." Oh, it was just yeah, I couldn't even tell you half it, right? So, and we were just like like going beyond anything. Some of this stuff is just incredible. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There was obviously half of those three thousand could not go out because of Ofcom and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, but the ones that, there was the ones that you thought, oh, this will never go. Out. Sean Connery. It was a Monday morning, and he was doing a book signing in Weatherstones, uh, no Waterstones. He called it Weatherstones. That's what I always remember. I, I'm doing a book signing here in Weatherstones. If you're laughing, <laughs> he said Weatherstones. So George went, eh, "Why don't you phone Sean Connery, Billy Connery, as if it's that easy?" And I went. I said, as if we're going to get through to Sean Connery in a bookshop in Edinburgh. 
and I phoned it and uh, hello, how the and I had my jacket on and everything. It was a Monday morning and I wasn't, you know, I, you know, I, I wasn't. I says this isn't going to work. And George went right, just try it and then just if it doesn't, then up the road. I went brilliant. I'd been up for five in the morning. I went right, and bother. I knew it wasn't going to work. How the devil are you? It's Billy Connolly here. It's brilliant. I'm looking to speak to Big Sean. Ah, is he there? It's brilliant. Oh, ah. And this woman went. There's now Sean Connery here and just hung up the phone. I went, told you, I tried it. Okay, fair enough. And then I went out to my car, honestly, and I was, I was like, oh, you're beauty, back up to my bed. And Bowie came out and went, on the windscreen, I went, Des, Des, Sean Connery's through there, Sean Connery. And I went, oh, can I crack the jokes? I went, and as soon as I got in there, you're going to be going, eh, right? And I went, he went, no, Des, 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 he wants to speak to Molly Conley. Well, he wants to speak to you. Des, this is going to be awesome. This is going to knock that Galloway off the chart. This is going to be, we're going to be number one. <laughs> he says, never right. Oh, Des, this is going to get us Sony's. I went, it's never going to. And I, I saw, he went, right. So the headphones are in the studio, just like this, on airs on record. And I'm, is he there? And I went, how the devil are you? And he went, Billy, 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 how are you? <laughs> and, I, and I was, I shot it, I shot it. And then I went, right, because I thought, that, this, this isn't Sean Batty, this is Sean Connery, right? And, <laughs> and I'm just thinking back to when I was a wee boy, pyjamas watching James Bond and all that, you know, the bold Connery, Highlander, you know, and do, do, you, want, do, do you want to know how you get Capone? He pulls a knife, you pull a gun, he sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of to the morgue and that's the Chicago way. <laughs> Oscar winning performances and, and the untouchables and all that. And I just went, I went, I can't believe it. And he went, so, uh, you know, I, and I'd, for some <laughs> reason I went, ba-da-da-dum, ba-da-dum, ba-ba, ba-ba-ba. And I went, we were expecting you, you fucker. Right? And that's what I said. And he was like, Howling away laughing <laughs> Brilliant Billy yeah. <laughs> And all the news team Come in They went He'll sue His mob will sue He does not have a sense of humour And I heard all this So he went You know I'm, I'm doing a big signing here You know And, and, and Weatherstones <laughs> And I went, ah, and it says, if you want to meet, you know, in the Scotsman, you know, in our, our usual suite, they obviously had their rainy personal thing. Uh, and I turned in, I'm trying to get them off the phone because I know that, that we need permission. You're worried, not going yeah, to get yeah, you're worried they're going to take it, it too far. Oh, aye, aye. And, and Bowie's like, this will be brilliant. And it, it, went, it went, if you want to meet in the Scotsman, you know, I'm, I'm doing a golfing commentary. And I went, why don't we meet halfway at Heart Hill Services, you fucking madman? <laughs> Away you go, you fucking nutter. <laughs> and I wee diddy, I wee diddy for Rob Royston's calling that fucking giant of you know royalty a fucking nutter, a fucking madman. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I'm going, this is like a superpower. I can call him all these names. And this, away you go, you fucker. Away you go, you fucking madman, Connery. You make me laugh, you fucking nutter. <laughs> I'm getting to, and he would, oh, do you know what he was doing reply? He was going, yeah, oh, brilliant, brilliant, so brilliant, oh, brilliant. And I'm like, that, this is fucking amazing, right? And then I ran out of things to say, and we were 28, I'll never forget, 28 minutes was on the clock, 28 minutes, and Bowie would edit these down to like three minutes, right? And I thought, where are we going? I had nothing else to say. So I went, so, <laughs> and I thought, you're boring me now, Connery, right? What a cheek. <laughs> and I thought, I went, so have you got any any juicy movies coming up? What have you got? Nice big paydays, Hollywood. And he went, you know I haven't. You, you, you were one of the first I told, Billy. And that's when he knew, that's when the, the penny dropped. And he turned and went, beep, phone down. He went, you know, I don't think that was Billy Connolly. And I went, yes, <laughs> James Bond, super sleuth. What a jet, right? And I went, yes. And I was relieved. I went, oh, good try. And, and then Paul Cooney came down and went, is that who I think it was? And Bowie went, we got permission and everything. It was great. Oh, no. And I went, uh, 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 right. And George Bowie phoned me up that night, an hour and a half. I went, don't put that out. I says, but this is, as I say, isn't Sean Batty? We'll get hauled over the coals for this. We'll get totally hammered. 
and they said, okay, okay, we'll put out that one, that plunge might not get phone. Oh, that's a great one. The next day, I remember I was trying to gear up smoking and uh, I says, why is he no plugging the 810 sketch? That was the name of the beast. And then suddenly we kind of thing came on, do, 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 do. And I went, oh no, oh no. And he went, this morning, funny man Des, Des McLean is licensed to thrill. And I went, but I knew why he was doing it. He just thought, Des, just let's get the thing was up. And then he played it and it was awesome. And the emails were like, non-stop and I was sitting I remember going in and buying fags because I was bagging nerves and I went oh no this is the biggest scalp we've had too big and for two weeks I just kept watching uh, see if there's an email how dare you I was in yeah. all the papers it's 007 me like that you know it's it's James Cond or that you know that you know on the tabloid thing. and then nothing happened and I thought Maybe Sean Connery doesn't listen to your show in the morning, you know. And, and then two weeks later, I'm down at Celtic Park collecting a big cheque for cash for kids. And uh, I went back to my seat. It was what an honour that was. You know, a big 50,000 for cash for kids. And I went back to my seat. And uh, who's standing covered, like, like, like over the seat that I was sitting raging, staring at me, Billy Conley. Wow. And I went, you all right? He went, no, I'm no fucking all right. I went, <laughs> I went is that about, aye, it's about poor old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Organising this and that. You're on the phone for half an hour to him, you fuck. And I went, oh, fuck. No, I, mean, I was like, fuck, I'm getting dug up by Bully Conley. I mean, I thought that. And then I went, listen, I says, I didn't want to do it. Bully, I, I didn't want it. I, I said to them, I went, they made, I went, this can't be good. We can, we've, not, we've not got permission. I, I didn't ever say that. They, they, they made me do it, Bully. They made me do it. <laughs> totally shite bag, right? And Bully went, I went, it was just a laugh, Bully. Just a laugh. And I went, just a laugh. It was fucking brilliant. <laughs> And then gave me a big hug and I thought, that's oh. something to tell the grand mains about. Oh, that's fantastic. And awesome. Oh, great. The wonderful winter sale is now on at Harry Corrie. Harry Corrie. Prices are falling in every department. Duvet sets from only £7.50, pillows from only £6 and lined eyelet curtains from just £12.50. The Harry Corrie Winter Sale now on. Call in store or online at harrycorrie.com while these wonderful offers last. Harry Corrie, the curtain bedding specialists. When you were learning comedy, mm -hmm. did you have anyone, any kind of heroes that you looked up to? The man, Connolly, the yeah. world heavyweight champion of stand-up comedy. And I still, I remember watching him whenever there was a new video, Billy Connolly, Billy and Albert live at that. I remember like, like you know that, remember when you had like a VHS videotape and the wee window in the middle? I remember ejecting it and going, oh no, there's just a wee bit of black tape left. I, I just loved the man so much. Yeah. Everything, whether it was on Parkinson, any anything at all. I just thought, the way he just painted pictures and, you know, he just stood there all animated and, and do you remember uh, an audience with Billy Conley? Nobody yeah. had ever seen that. It was, the, it was possibly the greatest hour of television ever. Definitely. And I remember that was back in the day when people all watched the same channel at the same time. Like nowadays, people go, oh, have you seen this? Uh, uh, have you seen Breaking Bad? Oh, I'm at the season three. Oh, that's Robbie's season. People all just watch things at different times and all that now, right? But that was at a time when everybody watched it, schools and workplaces and everybody watched that. And when you think about it, this was, you are saying earlier about, you know, how, how nerve-wracking that is doing yeah. a notes spot at the stand. He was doing it in front of all other celebrities, the first of its kind. And you could tell it was, it, it was incre incredible and you could tell he was nervous and he, he admitted that later on. But for him to go out there, do you remember? <laughs> the big slipper. I would buy two of those fuckers and put them down at the, the fireplace. If somebody comes to break into your house, who the fuck lives here? <laughs> oh, giant. Oh my God, pounds. 
And it, it's just, remember remember the, the incontinence pants on yeah. that? Saddle up and ride your pony, whoosh. <laughs> Saddle up and you'll be lulled, whoosh. Everybody, I'm taking you home. What do you want to drink? Amazing. Too funny. It was like you were. You could crippled. probably, you could probably, you know, stop ten people in the street and ask them about. Oh no, there's a Billy Connolly. They would all have a, 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 fav- a favorite a different, bit, a different bit. Yeah, Hoba. It's the month after September <laughs> up here. But it, it was, it was poetry. We call right. it total poetry. Every syllable, every syllable was a prisoner. <laughs> And it was, and watching him, it was just absolute everything. He, he, he just, he was the man who just brought every single little uh, routine to life, painted it beautifully. I, I mean, honestly, it was like he was just like an incredible his psychology and everything that he just made ordinary oh, things. And the, the observation stuff that he's observation, but stuff that, that every. He used to say himself, stuff that everyone is can see yeah. every day, he sees it in a different light and you're going, yeah. oh, aye, of course. A wee woman getting on the, on the bus and saying to her pal, my man's in hospital with his leg. Aye. You know, it's just a, it's just a throwaway comment, but the way he would, but he remember, would see it. He was coming through at a time when people at like Bernard Manning and all that were telling racist jokes and they were all slagging him off going, what is it? he talks about this and talks about his week and his day. There's no, there's no gags there. There's no gags. <laughs> I remember they were all having a go at him and... And I thought he was coming through at a difficult time when nobody else was doing that. Yeah. That observational, physical comedy and, you know, doing routines about him just walking down the street drunk and, you know, and you, you see, a, you see a, a, a cigarette bag, a big leap over it and all that. He was doing that, you know, for the, in the 70s coming through when people are going, what is this? What kind of comedy is this? This, this kind of maverick, mad physical comedy. And then, but then he was just like, then he just got better and better and better. And even now when you see him, I can, t- I can just sit and listen to him all night. Yeah, completely. He's just, he, no, he, He's the man. He he was the man. That it's interesting when you when you look back. Obviously, the parky thing was was probably the big break. Getting Parkinson. Oh, the joke. Yeah, yeah, and, and the joke and the, and the joke. That's where I parked the bike and all that stuff. The way he got onto Parkinson, I've read quite a bit about that recently. And the the pure chance of the taxi driver saying to Parkinson. Take that tape, take aye, that cassette, and aye. listen to it. Parker gets home and he just chucks it in a pile somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think it was his son. Yeah, his son played it and came down and says, "Dad, you need to you, listen to that." Because Parker took a big chance. Uh, do you know, we got a very funny man from Glasgow. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 did that really happen, Billy? No. So it, yeah, he took a chance, and that might not have paid off. And by the way, that also as a wee a wee le- the, now that's also a wee kind of a, a wee lesson there that you're as well just looking for was it they say again look for forgiveness rather than permission yeah yeah Billy was warned not to tell that joke he was warned and warned and warned by and then he went I'm going to tell this one it's a beauty remember <laughs> and, 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 you, and you're thinking no that could have went apps remember uh, and Angie Dickinson sitting there and all that and, and it was just when he, you could just see the wee devilman you could, and he it's a beauty right? <laughs> and you thought oh and do you know what he took the chance and it paid off yeah do you know how many times he was on Parkinson out of interest? I know the answer. I just wonder if you do. Uh, pfft, 38. Oh, 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 I hate when folk do that. They go for some ridiculously high one just to screw up my question. No, 15, which I thought uh, was... Which is still a lot. I, I know, mean, it I is. I mean, because you imagine, like, so who would have been, you know, let's say someone like James Stewart or, I don't yeah. know, maybe on four or five times. But I mean... But- when you were a wee boy and all that, you, you like Parker, when you knew Conley was on, it wasn't just because he was Scottish and you were, a, it was just, it was total entertainment. And you could yeah. see the, the Americans all sitting back, they'd never seen anything like that. And even when he was using his wee, his wee analogies, his little phrases, I was about as welcome as a fart in a spacesuit. <laughs> and they were all sitting, Americans, like they, they, they were looking as if we've never, we would never discuss that, say anything like that on a chat show. They couldn't believe what he was getting away with. So, but he must have been just absolute gold for Parkinson, yeah, though, for him to be on tap as a guest. And, you know, fantastic. 
Billy Conley tells a joke brilliantly, and uh, Billy and Albert with the this the pin the, the big suit on. Our producer here loves it as well. Yeah. And uh, right. he does. He's, he's giggling in anticipation. And, uh, he's, he's winking over. <laughs> And it reminds me of the, the two camera fellows in the Serengeti Plains. And there's a lion sitting there giving it, oh, roar, roar. Even the lion sounded like Conley. <laughs> roar, and the lion's sitting there ready to go for them. And it's sitting there growling, roar, roar. And the wee assistant cameraman pulls on a pair of Nike running shoes. <laughs> And he turns round the cameraman, he says, you'll never outrun that lion. He says, fuck the lion as long as I outrun you. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> it's just, I can see him saying it. I, 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 uh, it. It gives me really fond memories of, you know, growing up and putting Billy Conley, it was live at the Apollo on the record player. And me and my, my, my brother and my sisters played it till it was absolutely knackered, you know, that LP. Still, I could probably, I could quote every single story on it, every joke on it, even the terrible and all that. And but also, Connolly just makes anything at all sound funny. I was doing a, a Burns night. I was talking about how, you know, I was just saying about, you know, it was all the same stuff in the Burns nights. And I just thought it'd be funny. I says, I bet you Billy Connolly would make it more entertaining. My love is like a red, red rose, you fucker. <laughs> you know, and we started doing Burns stuff, but done is, is Connolly and stuff. And it just made it even funnier. So whatever he says, is just too funny. What I wanted to touch on too is, the, um, I mean, you, put, you played, you know, America, you've been in Aye. Vegas a couple of times. Was that when did that fall in your career, and how did that come about? That came about. That was twenty. First time was twenty thirteen. Then I went again in twenty sixteen. The funniest story, uh, right, is when I was going to Vegas. I was on all the. I was doing the interviews for like the TV and all that. Des McLean, popular Glasgow De comedian, Des McLean is following in the footsteps of Frank Sinatra and all these places. Barry Manilow, Elton John, he's going to Vegas, and uh, I couldn't believe it. And there was a big, there was a double spread in the evening times that says Viva Des Vegas <laughs> I, and it was me Viva Des Vegas and it was a photo of me with the tuxedo one with the rat pack Sammy Dean it's photoshopped obviously yeah. right and uh, me and Sammy Dean uh, Frank and Dino and all that and there was a big bit in the, the Scottish Sun as well and it was so that it was in all the I was on uh, Radio Scotland doing an interview did you go to Vegas and all that brilliant so I was thinking, what am I going to and what am I going to open with in Vegas? And three days before it, I'd done all my interviews. The case is all packed. I'm ready to go to Vegas. Three days before it, I get a phone call. And you know how when you get a phone, when you get a number on your phone that's not in your contacts, oh seven, you don't usually answer it because you think okay, it'll be somebody looking for you know a charity gig or something. To hell with that, right? Or to do a podcast. Right, so I just answered it, and it was, I was going to Vegas. I was positive, everything was happening, and then uh, this old guy went, "I'm looking to speak to Mister Des McLean, please." And I went speaking, and he went, "I was wondering if you're available on the twenty first to come and play the Twecker Miners and Welfare Club." <laughs> and I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to be performing in Vegas in the iconic Riviera on the twenty first. And I says, "I can't say with this old guy. I'm playing Vegas. He's going to feel really foolish, you know." And I said, oh, no, no, I won't lie. I went, I better just tell him. I went, sorry, sir, I'm actually booked to play Vegas that night. He went, pity, it's cash in the hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like, oh, well, why didn't you mention that then? Okay, unpack that case. You must have paced up and down a bit for the next few hours just deciding whether you were doing the right thing. But he genuinely told me that that's, you've had your chance. And he says, listen, listen, stupid, Vegas will always be there. 
Vegas will always be there, but the Twerker Miners and Welfare Club is getting shut down to get roughcasted for a month. You've had it. And he I never, ever got to play there again. So uh, they, they actually, believe it or not, asked me to come and play it finally uh, during the beer garden tour. And we, we never managed to because they didn't have a beer garden. Before we finish, remind me about uh, Bendit Liberty then and anyone out there listening. I, I, again, I, I said it earlier, I, I kind of recommend it highly enough. How do you go about getting tickets for it, Des? Right, okay, here it is. It's a, a juicy plug. The, well, basically, Bendit Liberty will be starting the tour off again. We'll be kicking off at Webster's, which is right in the middle of Great Western Road, the one you came along to, Simon, mm-hmm. which you really did enjoy. Oh, fantastic. And uh, that, that, was, that was the first week, uh, kind of a, the, the first week after the, we were allowed out again uh, after COVID, after lockdown. So it was brilliant. So we're going back there. That's an easy one for you to get tickets. In fact, the Wednesday and the Thursdays kind of half, they've sold about half the tickets and that's just midweek. So we're doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the 24th, the 25th, 26th of May. If you're a Celtic fan, you'll love it. If you're a football fan, you'll love it. If you're a nostalgic Glasgow, a Bertie old fan, and who isn't, you'll love it. So it's going there. Check out Bendit Bertie on uh, Twitter. Um, the, and it's also going to the Tivoli in Aberdeen, which is a beautiful theatre. It's going to Inverness, Eden Court. It's going to Dundee, the Whitehall Theatre. It's, go, it's going all over. Just check out Bendit Liberty on Twitter and all the dates. The posters just come out today. And uh, so it's going to the Eastwood Park Theatre in Giffnock. Uh, that's your neck of the woods, isn't it? Um, I'm, I'm West End, but oh, right, same, okay. same Well, anyway, so that's it. It's going to the Posh End of Glass and... Uh, the West End. Where else is it going to? Uh, Does he come on, Mike? Oh no! Do you know what? That's a good show. No, we, we only put out about fifteen dates, and there's more to come. Where else is it? Oban. Yes, it's going to Oban. It's going to Danoon. Oh, that'll be fun. And aye. so anyway, uh, <laughs> so in, in other words, there's plenty of chances for people to see it. Yes, plenty. And they can go on the uh, go on the Webster's website, but check, just type in Bendit Like Bertie. You'll find it on Twitter and Facebook, all the usual places. Absolutely. Yes. And in the meantime, I will crack on. I'll take your advice on board as well. Which what I can't even remember what it was. Now I'll listen back, and I'm sure there was plenty of what <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, actually, you, you know what? That's a good way to finish, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good way to finish. So I'm halfway through this, right? This is episode four, uh-huh. and I'm doing eight, and hopefully, hopefully, there'll be a couple of bonus uh, episodes as well. And 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 my my plan is to have a wee five minute set, polished and honed and perfect, and I'm going to speak nicely to certain people and try and get a wee. A wee, a wee gig at the at the fringe Not for the entire month That would be ridiculous But maybe one or two days Maybe a week I don't know Maybe I could be a, a warm up for somebody I don't know Putting it out there Anyone listening <laughs> But tell me this then The way you're talking there Is if this is going to be A, a new A brand new five But it kind of is What well, about the ten What about your, your previous ten That yeah, you're doing Yeah well this is See that, that's that's a that's a point Because I I kind of feel And it's yeah, I mean, probably worrying unnecessarily about it, but because it, you know, I, I I played around with it, I did that wee bit, you know, for a few times, and I feel when I'm when I'm doing that stuff that I did, you know, my friends and my family will be saying, "Oh, not that pish again." I've only heard it a few times. Somebody could have done the same gig eighty, a hundred times, and they don't think along those lines. So I have to go over myself a wee bit. But it's, you were incredibly, you were unlucky, as were a lot of uh, new acts trying to get gigs because, <laughs> you know, obviously lockdown happened and it was yeah. another big door shut in your face. Yeah. And then you, but then you had a couple of wee Zoom gigs. Fine, but this is probably a good time to start back. You could actually, surely through all this, what you're doing now, and you, basically yeah. you could maybe put together a wee remix of a some remix of your greatest of hits yeah. and then freshen up a wee bit. Of yeah, I do. I, I, won't, I won't name names, but you know, you've heard 
what I did before and I, and I poke fun at the Glasgow Underground. Gangsters, which gang everybody gangsters. loves. Yeah, and there's a new gangster in town as well with a r- ridiculous nickname. I'm not what would you do if any of these gangsters were in the room when you were on? I have thought about it. Uh, I... I think they'd be okay with it. Well, I think, you know, well, well, genuinely I genuinely right. do. It's amazing though, you're talking about gangsters, right? I was doing a gig in the East End of Glasgow, it was a charity night, and it was this this uh, uh, pub, notorious pub, that you, would, you wouldn't really go into, and I'm no slagging off, I'm from the area, unless you were from there, right? Yeah. And I still remember a very well-known Glasgow gangster you wouldn't mess with, right? Yeah. And he turned around and he went, I'm no sitting at the front, he'll rip the piss out of me. <laughs> and I thought, I think, I think you're quite safe, you know? Yes. So it just shows you, even they think, like, yeah, you know, I... It has crossed my mind. I think I think I'll be okay. I think they'll see the funny side of it. It's great material. Something. The way well, you, the way you turned it into the 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 whole kind of a kids TV uh, show. Well, all I, that had, I had I had Maka Paka been chased through the night garden with a yeah. samurai sword. That was all and, funny stuff. That was yeah. that was probably your best stuff. That was just that would get your biggest that, laughs. That was, it? Well, I, so I think when I do it, I'll probably base two or three minutes of the five on that. I do I do bring in my 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 day job and my journalism and and, uh-huh. and the fact that I've been overseas and incidents that have happened and scary things. Well, that's that. good. And that's something that I would I would suggest. I say this to all comedians, do stuff that only would apply to you that nobody else can know. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a good bit of advice. Yeah, because if you've, nobody else, if you've done that, that is unique to you. That's your unique selling point. And it's interesting. There's, I don't know a lot of people who have done done that. So if you can throw that in and the, the way that you end it all with the wee bit you're hiding in the, you know, the, the wee, the, the cupboard and all that. And that's that a true story as I, well. I, I, true story. And listen, all the true stories are, are, are perfect because you don't need to embellish them. You don't to write anything well, yeah the one the one thing that I did and I forgot and, and I did it in an early gig and I totally forgot about it and then I was watching it back on YouTube it was a very true story that, that when we thought this compound was about to be stormed by the Fedayeen militia true 100% true I am as scared as I've ever been in my life Aye. and, I, and I, I reached in my pocket thinking I got a Swiss army knife that well I mean I'm going to go down fighting and all I got all I could find was a pair of nail clippers that's all I had. So I was going to, sure. I was going to, I was going to manicure him to death if he came at me. Uh, so see, that, that's <laughs> stuff that nobody else can do. So that's you know, there's no point in just going. Oh, I think I'll start writing this g- generic thing when you've got that stuff. But that stuff in the Macapaca gangster stuff was all was all well, very good. What I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll I will keep I'll, I'll keep you up to date. I'll let you know how I'm, do, how I'm doing and yes. then, and listen to the future episodes of, of, of Laughter Unlocked. Des, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's always great fun talking to you because I, I just laugh continually at the, and I mean, I know in, impersonations aren't everything that you do, but I mean, come on, some of them are absolutely fantastic. Well, Who's your favourite? Who, who, if you had to do one? No, I just, I, 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 you know, for a carry on in silliness, I, 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 here's, here's to pal and shine in your hand. I'm, I'm not driving a mini metro. I just love doing him for a carry on and you love him as well, but no, Conley's kind of a just, Always got me into a lot of trouble. Yeah, I kind of like like winding up Joan Rivers and Rod Stewart. Remember phoning up Rod? Where, where, where's my invitation to the wedding, you fucker? And Rod, <laughs> Rod going, oh right, Billy, the wife dealt with all that. And I, <laughs> and I just thought it, it was just it was like me digging you up, going, hey, where's that? You know, I thought you were buying me a pint. It was just like two guys, yeah. mates. So that's kind of a, been a wee kind of a handy tool superpower that's got me into a lot of bother. Well, and, and that's it. But it's no, been I, a pleasure. I, yeah. It's been absolutely brilliant uh, chatting to you again, Des. Thanks very much for coming on. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, guys.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.